I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Live Wire is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving or cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey there, it's Luke. Welcome to another LiveWire Summer Podcast exclusive um, we are getting ready right now for our fall season. That's how it works. You know, you go to a clothing store at the mall and it's summertime and you need to get some swim trunks, but all they have are like polar fleece jackets for fall. And you're like, what up? And they say, well, we're working ahead. You know, we are always one season ahead of you. Well, that's what Livewire is like. Even though it's summertime, we are thinking about our fall season of Livewire and it is going to be great. Let me tell you. We got really cool guests. Uh, we're going to be out in uh, in different cities in America, so maybe we'll even be in a town near you. Um, but while we're doing all of that, we're also going back through some of the LiveWire archives and uh, a very favorite of LiveWire. I think he's been on LiveWire maybe three times. Uh, is the writer Sherman Alexi? Sherman, as you probably know, is a prolific dude. He's written like twenty six books. He's written films. Uh, he's an avid basketball player. Um, and Sherman and I actually go way back. And even though I've known the guy for years, even though I've read tons of his books and we, I've interviewed him so many times, I feel like every time I talk to him on the show, I learn something new about him and, and, and really something new about the world by way of that conversation. He's got a new book that just came out. Uh, in June, called You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. It is a memoir. It's about his relationship with his mother, which was a complicated one. And I got to say, if you have not fully finished your summer reading plan, I recommend grabbing this book. So what we thought we would do this week is we'd go back to 2014 when we had Sherman on the show. Let's take a listen to that right now. Welcome to LiveWire, Sherman. Thank you, Luke. It's so weird to be on this big show with the guy I've played basketball with for two decades. Usually you're wearing sports goggles and if we're lucky, a shirt. Uh, uh, yes, uh, this is the first time I've seen you in clothes. Yeah. Um, I was talking a little earlier in the show about my experience with getting older and this is something that we talk about a lot because we have been playing basketball together for a long time. It's a very clear reminder of our aging. How is getting older treating you? You're 47 now? I'm 47. Uh, you know, I'm okay with aging, really, in every venue except playing basketball. <laughs> uh, 
it's, it's, it's a number of things. The fact that I can't walk the next morning. And the thing is, it doesn't matter how long I've played, whether I've played one game for 10 minutes or if I've played for three hours, I can't walk. You know, and then I come down the stairs in the morning, not walking, and my wife's looking at me, my kids are looking at me, the dog is looking at me, and they're all thinking, why do you do this to yourself? And, and I feel like it's some St. Francis Catholic, self-colonizing, self-hating, hot yoga torture thing. Uh, you know, well, I pretend it's some spiritual thing going on, when in fact it's just my sad-ass male ego. Because there is still a moment where you hit a shot, or, you know, in my case, I kind of slap at the ball as it goes out of bounds, that you take home with you, right? And you think, still got it a little. Well, you know, because the thing is, I don't play with guys my age, because uh, that would be really sad. <laughs> It would be a bunch of old guys running up and down the... And the thing is, we play shirts and skins, and I think there should only be two or three guys allowed on the court with man boobs. Yeah. So, you know, I fill that quota for right. my group of people. So, uh, but I play with really great... You know, I, there's, there's seven guys who played college ball in our group and, and a couple guys who played pro ball in Europe. So... The thing is, when I score on a guy who played pro ball in Europe, who is six foot five and 230 and could still dunk it at age 35, then I feel like, you know, it's like outriding Philip Roth. Like, <laughs> you know, because I know I've written sentences that are better than Philip Roth. Not the totality of Philip Roth, but there have been moments when I, I write it and I think, I just kicked Philip Roth's ass. <laughs> uh, so, uh... I sometimes feel that way about the guys I play basketball with. And they probably wonder why I call them Philip Roth, but... Yeah. <laughs> In your face, Philip Roth! You might be projecting, Sherman. Uh, that's uh, my Indian name, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was reading some reviews of your work today, and I was looking through various online conversations that are had about your work, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, but I'm wondering, uh, you write about the Native American experience a lot from your view, from your experience. What do you hear from other Native Americans who, who are in your own family or just who somehow get in touch with you? I mean, does anyone ever feel like, well, that might have been how you saw it, Sherman, but that's not how I saw it. Well, I think a lot of Native Americans are into my work. Well, I know they are. Uh, because, you know, I deal with this sort of realism, the way we actually live our lives. Other Natives, and some non-Natives, think that I write stereotypes because I deal with a lot of social problems, social issues, the alcoholism, the poverty. Uh, and in writing about that, some Indians think I should be writing something more positive, like I should be representing us in a more positive light, uh, as if I was in public relations. Uh, but those arguments always end up being very condescending because what I'm doing is I'm practicing Western civilization literature. You know, nobody ever said, you know, that I wish that Faulkner would cheer up. <laughs> uh, you know, so when natives and non-natives talk about my work in terms of its stereotypes, uh, it's actually a, a really subtle form of racism. How can... Native American people 
that you know try to move forward in a way that's been different than the history, a history that's been placed on them by this country? The number one thing is we have to stop thinking of ourselves as being reservation Indians. The fact is, is that somewhere between 60 and 70% of Native Americans live off the reservation. We are exactly as cosmopolitan as every other group of people. And I think by thinking of ourselves only in terms of the reservation and measuring ourselves only in terms of the reservation, we make ourselves small. We make ourselves static. Uh, and we get so wrapped up in tradition, we forget that those natives we love and admire, Crazy Horse, Geronimo, Sacagawea, they were innovators. So we need to remember that every famous Indian, every Indian we admire, every cultural thing we do, the first dancer, the first singer, was innovative. So we have to start thinking of ourselves as innovative people, kinetic people, again. We're talking to Sherman Alexi. This is Livewire Radio, coming to you from Portland, Oregon. What is your, what's your writing process like now <clears throat> and compared to like when you were just starting out, when you were almost sort of writing for your very life, I guess? Well, I was. I mean, I was writing my way out of poverty. I was writing my way out of uh, uh, racism. I, was, I wrote raging, constantly raging. Every, every moment in my creative process was about anger, uh, about getting revenge on this society that had sought to crush me in so many ways. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm a dude with extreme privilege. But the thing is, uh, I still have family. I still have uh, relatives. I still have brothers and sisters who deal and struggle with many of the problems that I write about. So even though I individually have a lot of privilege, that doesn't prevent me from looking at the world through the eyes that I grew up with. Uh, I'm never going to stop feeling or being that poor res kid, you know, I had an outhouse until I was seven. That doesn't leave you. Uh, and you see in the world when other folks come out of poverty and get power, they want to turn their back on all of that. You know, they want to turn themselves into some sort of capitalistic saints. As if, look at me, I did this, I'm amazing, why can't you do this? And they turn their back on where they come from and they judge the people who didn't make it out. When in fact, it's such a complicated lucky, uh, random thing that has happened to me uh, that you can't base your politics on the successes of one person. You have to start thinking of people in terms of huge groups. Uh, and so, guilt. I pretty much operate by guilt now. <laughs> My younger years, it was rage. Now, it's guilt. You have kids, and your kids have presumably grown up with uh, a really different um, reality in terms of at least their access to resources and the life that they've lived as kids. Um, has that been just a good thing for them, or do you feel like you had a hustle and a grind because of how you grew up that they don't really have? Well, I try to be open and honest with them. You know, it's not, you know and I'll, I'll tease them, or they'll tease me back, but I get jealous of them. You know, and I'll say I know things. that exact feeling. Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't grow up on the res, but my daughter has had a really great experience, and yeah. I have been sitting in hot tubs with her before at like a nice hotel, saying, "You have no idea how lucky you are to be here right now." Yeah, and then you, end up, you sound like a dad, right? right? Yeah, but but you know, I'll I'll say you know I'll, I'll say things to them like, uh, uh, "You have no idea how lucky you are to have me, not just as a dad, but the fact that my art exists in this world." 
I mean, it's this, it's this combination of being, you know, a narcissistic dad and a narcissistic writer. I mean, I end up, in being a parent, I end up getting epically self-involved. You know, I end up being like the sitting bull of ego. And, but uh, uh, the big thing is, is teaching them that with privilege and power comes this responsibility. Uh, and making sure they don't become spoiled, you know, little jerks. And so they're aware of it. They're constantly aware of it. My younger son and I, you know, are always making up raps, you know, as he comes from the hood, you know, 32nd, you know, Madrona. And uh, <laughs> that's like the Hawthorne of Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he'll go, you know, we'll do the Wi Fi rap. The Wi Fi's out. The Wi Fi's out. <laughs> One bar, I got one bar, I got one bar. Wah, 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 one bar, one bar, wah, wah. So, uh, but we have long discussions about the world, and they have a firm, I mean, my wife and I are extreme liberals. Uh, regardless of our ethnic or cultural identity, politically, we're extreme American liberals, so our kids are crunchy, grun I mean, my younger son's a vegetarian. It's like, I got one in my house now. <laughs> Sherman Alexi, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's my old basketball buddy, Sherman Alexi, on Livewire back in 2014. Uh, his latest book, which just came out, is called You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. Uh, it's about uh, his relationship with his mom. It's amazing. Um, you know, Sherman was uh, due to be on a very <laughs> vigorous book tour this summer um, to promote the book, as one does. And he decided that he was actually going to cut his book tour short, even though he had all these appearances that were sold out and people were very excited to see him. And he wrote this amazing post on his Facebook page, which we actually have posted um, on our Livewire Facebook page, if you want to read it. He wrote this incredible letter about why he had decided to cut his book tour short. And it had to do really with his memory of his mother and, and, and literally messages that he felt like his mother or the universe were trying to communicate to him. Uh, go over to the Livewire Facebook page and check out this uh, letter that Sherman wrote explaining kind of what he's been up to. Because um, it's, again, like everything with Sherman, it's it's fascinating and honest and real and something you should probably check out. Um, all right, so that is uh, mostly it for the show. We want to thank a special member who helped make this episode possible, none other than Paul Ball of Seattle, Washington. Paul is a member of the League of Extraordinary Listeners. That means Paul is really the person you need to high-five if you see him on the street, if you enjoyed this episode of the show. And if you would like to help Livewire out, if you would like to be a League member like Paul is, head over to livewireradio.org where you can find out how to do that. Also a big thanks, as always, to Livewire's long-running sponsor, Fully. They're kind of like the Livewire of of ergonomic furniture. They're based in Portland, like we are. Um, they're uh, they're a, a small but scrappy operation, kind of the way we are. And they have been growing consistently over the years, sort of like Livewire has. Here's what Fully does. They design and make all kinds of cool chairs and stools and desks and things that you might sit upon or stand behind when you're when you're working or when you're at home. But the thing about the stuff Fully makes is that it keeps your body engaged. 
It keeps your brain engaged. It keeps the blood flowing. They make desks and chairs and things that keep you moving so that even if you're like, if you got to sit at your computer all day, you don't have to ossify into just a a, a, a potato of inactivity. Uh, if you use the cool things that Foley makes, like the Jarvis sit-stand desk, by the way, I use that when I'm on stage recording Livewire, or use their chairs. I have a TikTok stool of theirs that I use all the time here at my house when I'm working. If you use their stuff, you are going to be more creative, you're going to be sharper, and you're going to finish your workday feeling invigorated instead of feeling just totally played out. Uh, if you want to find out more about what Fully does, go over to Fully.com slash Livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash Livewire. All right, that is going to wrap up this special summer edition of the Livewire podcast. We got many more new shows coming up in just a couple of months. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. I'm sure we'll be bringing you more cool stuff from the Livewire archives uh, in between now and then. But we certainly appreciate you listening. Hope you're enjoying your summer, and we will talk to you very soon. PRI Public Radio International. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show, so you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, thank you so much if you've left a review. And if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.